0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, A woman great is your faith. be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. During the Ash Wednesday sermon, I spoke a little bit about having the self and our own will be judge over God's Word and judge over God's truth that He's revealed to us. It's called popularly cafeteria Christianity. You go through the line, you pick the things that you want, and you leave behind the things that you don't want. Well, today I want to talk about one of the things that often gets passed over in cafeteria Christianity, one of the things that people don't particularly want to talk about, certainly one of the things that Is not easy to do, so we don't want to live it out. It's easy in cafeteria Christianity, or even when you accept the whole thing wholesale, to talk about and accept and believe in God's grace. God wants to be merciful to people. He wants to pardon. He wants to forgive. He wants to show love out of abundance as a gift freely given. It's easy to want that. It's easy to desire that. It's easy to believe that. What else is easy? It's also very easy like prayer the idea that you as an individual a person in god's creation has complete and full access to the throne of god who really doesn't want that even if we're not perfect at practicing it who honestly can say that's a part that i don't want i don't want to talk to god i don't want to get things from god and bring my supplications to him those are the easy things among many others but sanctification Sanctification that Paul writes of in his epistle, the second lesson today, to the Thessalonians. Well, becoming holy, holier, putting away sin, living more and more in righteousness. I don't know about that. That's hard. That's difficult. That makes me sweat a little bit. It makes me feel guilty. And so for that reason, you often find that sanctification dish there in the cafeteria, Christianity, is full from start to finish, because nobody wants to take it. Now we all understand and know very well here that justification, how we're made right with God through Jesus Christ, is indeed central to the Christian faith. It is the doctrine upon which our church, the Christian church, stands or falls. If you get justification right, it's a pretty good chance you're gonna get the rest of the stuff right too, or it'll follow naturally. But if you get it wrong, Or you're just repurposing this whole thing and what God has called us together for. It's the bedrock of all we are about, and it should be. But for the justified Christian, for somebody who has been clothed with the blood of Christ and apprehends that blood by faith, there is a logical follow up. I'm forgiven by God. Well, now what? What do I do now? God has said, You're not guilty. You're one of my children in this life, and you're going to be with me forever in heaven. Okay, great. So now what do I do with that? How do I live in the face of that? It's a reasonable thing to ask if you think about it. Think about it for more than a minute. I haven't forgiven, so what does that mean for my daily life? And I'd say if you have the Holy Spirit, which you do since you're Christians, it's not just reasonable to ask that, but it's natural. It is a desire that is in you because God has loved you in Christ, to want to know, well, what do I do? God is pleased with me because of his son, Jesus. So I wanna know, are there things that I can do? Things that I can think, things that I can say that themselves will be pleasing to God? Paul says to the Thessalonians and certainly many other places, and of course, many other people, absolutely, yes to that question, but that certainly has not kept Christians historically from misunderstanding sanctification, its importance and what it is. Now there's a problem in Christianity and certainly Protestant Christianity has had this problem over the centuries. Sometimes people overemphasize sanctification, the process by which we become holier, better people in this life. These people have often conflated it, put it together with justification. They say, well, to know if you're justified, you gotta measure how sanctified you are. And at worst, some people have even said, it's possible to be perfectly sanctified in this life. Do you know what that means? That means they say it's possible to be perfectly without sin, that you will never say, think, or do anything to displease God ever again. And we know, we know from the Bible, that doesn't say that, there's no promise there that we can be perfectly sanctified, quite the opposite. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But also if you live with that understanding of sanctification, you're gonna be led into one of two ditches that Luther talked about. Pride, thinking you're doing good enough and you are a better person when, trust me, the people closest to you know that's not the case. Or despair, knowing, honestly, I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm failing at being a Christian. This stinks. I feel guilty and horrible all the time. And moreover, that sort of understanding of sanctification does this. It robs Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master, of his glory, his credit, and his honor for what he has done for us. And it certainly takes the focus away from him. Now, on the other side, of course, there always seems to be two errors and two poles, and there are. Other people will say, well, sanctification might be real, but you don't have to think about it at all. Never talk about it. Never consider the fact that God wants you to become holier, even though you're forgiven in Christ, to begin, feeble as it is, to keep his law more and more. Such people are more often found in full disclosure, Lutherans have that problem. If there's one of these two ditches that Lutherans fall into, it's this one. All of the time, it seems. They'll say things like, well, sanctification happens without any thought or effect on your part. You just, you come and you receive forgiveness and just it's going to happen without you even knowing it. Like someone's just doing it to you and you're not even aware. But the problem with this, of course, is that it too ignores what scripture says about the matter So much of the epistles, if you go home and read through them, you'll see a lot of ink is spilt by the apostles saying, you're forgiven, now this is how I want you to live. God has pardoned you, spend time and energy actively getting rid of these bad things in your life and trying to do these good things in your life. And what's more, such a view, I think, takes justification for granted It just assumes God loves us and that we have no way or obligation of heeding in our lives God's will because he has already forgiven us. So what's the point? Well, just like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, we don't want the porridge that's too hot. We don't want the porridge that's too cold, but we are looking for that porridge which is just right. that is to do this on this topic at least it's to acknowledge first and foremost the distinction between justification how we're made right with god and sanctification how we become holier and it is also this to actively willfully deliberately lead our lives according to god's will revealed in his word we have indeed been declared holy by christ god looks at you He doesn't see a sinner, but he sees a sinner who's been forgiven, covered with Jesus Christ. That much is true. But let us also become what he has declared us to be, as best as our feeble frames can handle in this veil of tears. Let us walk in his ways to say thank you. Thank you to the God who's forgiven us. Thank you to the God who has justified us. Paul talks about how the pagans, the Gentiles, live in the passions of their lusts still. They are slaves to their own bodies, their own whims and desires, and certainly slaves to the world. And the degree to which we Christians still have that struggle, of course we're forgiven. But let us also, in our forgiven state, do our best to crucify the old Adam that lives in each one of us, to crucify the flesh. We've been forgiven not so that we can just leave scandalous lives guilt-free, but so that we may start becoming what we will one day be perfectly in heaven, holy and righteous, and not just declared without sin, but completely without sin. So let's heed Paul's call this morning and live in sanctification. Say, thank you, God, for forgiving me. Please help me to do better. Amen.